it's fun for me this morning, one, to look out here and, and to see all faces, all generations, you know. When Kevin came a few years back and he had this desire, and, and we've talked about it in staff, is to be a multi-generational church. And, and if you look around, you see that we're a multi-generational church. And how awesome is it that we can, in the same hour, worship the same God and have the same Spirit living on all of us together. Isn't that awesome? I think that's great. So thank you for that. Um, thank you for praying for kids and students and preschoolers and, and all that. We really appreciate it. Uh, the last time I was up here, we were going through a transition in student ministries, and, and we had just hired a couple new student ministry pastors. The high school pastor we hired was Matt, and we hired a middle school pastor named Bruce Drusma. And this is Matt. Matt has, has led us in worship this morning already. And, and I got to tell you, I'm really excited to have Matt here. And, and Matt has this awesome story that I've got to hear. I've heard now many, many different times. And as we were praying and, and talking about the service, we thought this would be a great story to share with you. So, Matt, why don't you tell us a little bit about first who you are, a little some background, who you're married to, all those kind of things. Sure. Hi, my name's Matt. Um, first, I want to say I'm really thankful to be here. I thank you for all these guys. Right in here. But I, uh, yeah, I, I came up to Minnesota about seven years ago. I transferred up here, went to Bethel, got my business degree. Can, can I interrupt there? Yeah. I, I, uh, I heard something in between services. I know there, one, of our, one of our pastors went to Wheaton, and I hear yesterday Wheaton was beat by Bethel in football. Isn't that great? Good point. Yeah, bring it up. All right, so you so you end up coming from the Chicago Rockford area up to yeah. Minnesota, up to Bethel. Yep, and I got my business degree, went into banking for a while. Uh, at the same time, went right into seminary, so I've been in school for a long time. I married a, a beautiful woman named uh, Nora Matson, and uh, yeah, she grew up here. And yeah, it's kind of cool. We we're, we're we're back. Nora's back because of me. <laughs> nice. Okay. Uh, yeah. One of the things that I, after talking to you a lot, is you got to a spot where you're going, this is just a lot of school. We've been, been doing school since you were, what, four years old or something? Totally, yeah. I, I went right into seminary after, after, uh, after college, and I was just so sick of school. So, so Nora and I, after, um, after being married for about a year, we're like, man, you know, Nora's a teacher. That's her chosen profession. My chosen profession is being a youth pastor. We're not exactly rolling in the dough, so we might, like, we thought, I, I said, I'm so burnt out in school, let's just go to China and teach English there, and really we're not working super hard, so we got a chance to travel and live abroad, and it might, you know, who knows, it may be the only chance we get, so. You know, when I, when I think when, or when I think of China, and I'm sure many other people, we think of this very congested, lots of people in China, and, and but there's also some wilderness and, and stuff out there too, right? Did you have a chance, yeah. you had a chance to explore that? And yeah, over New Year's uh, break, we had we had a, a while to travel, and we went to a place called Tiger Leaping Gorge. It's in Yunnan Province, which is the western part of China. It's it's at the foot base of the Himalayas. So just imagine with me, there might be some pictures. Yeah, you can see some pictures. It's like the Himalayan mountains and then these huge rolling hills like New Zealand. Uh, if you've seen Lord of the Rings, you know what that looks like. And then it goes down to this huge raging river. It's gorgeous. So we, we hiked around there with uh, Nora, my wife, uh, Tanner, one of my best friends from Illinois, and our friend Chris, who uh, actually is from New Zealand. So 
When I was in college, I went to New Zealand, and, and as I was hiking through places like that and going down rapids and stuff, I, I was just struck by how could you, I mean, for me, it was how, how great is our God? You know, you see these, all this creation, how, how great is our God? I'm sure you're yeah. experiencing the same thing. Seriously, I was, I was actually praying before we went that, that we would really be struck with God's beauty, and especially God's greatness. Uh, I, we have a friend named Chris who was going with us hiking. He, he was from New Zealand. He was, he's an athe- he was an atheist, and he had heard our whole story about our faith. We had shared with him, and he just thought we were idiots. And, and I was really praying that God would just hit him with the beauty, hit him with something that would show him there is a God, there's got to be a God. So, actually, funny story, we were on the hiking trip, and I, I felt like, uh, even though I feel like I had totally exhausted the, the topic of, of faith and, and Christ and, and, and belief in God with him, I felt God was, was urging me to talk to Chris about miracles. And I thought it was just an odd request from God. And I was like, you know, doing the thing in my head like, God, is this really you telling me to talk about miracles? It seems really stupid to talk to an atheist about miracles. Of course, he doesn't believe in them. But I felt God saying, no. Talk to him about miracles. Talk to Chris about miracles. And I thought, you know, can I, cool, I'll do it later. And God was like, no, do it now. I know you, Matt, you're going to forget. And so I, so I went, it went something like this, Chris, hey, do you believe in miracles? And he goes, no, I believe there's a rational explanation for everything. And I went, cool, thought you'd say that. Um, I do too, except for sometimes I think God's the only rational explanation for, for how things turn out. And he goes, you're a Christian. I'm like, all right, that was under that. So, um, but more, we'll come back to that later. But, but it wasn't right because you you guys finished hiking in the gorge. You you then went back and and dropped some people off and kind of yeah. you got some chance with Chris coming back out of there. What, tell yeah. us what, what's that about. So we went we went back to we we finished up the three day hike and uh, we got back a little bit early, too early for dinner. And uh, Chris came up to me and he said, Hansen, do you want to you wanna hike down to the river? You know, because we've been hiking through the hills, we hadn't gone to the river. I was like, yeah, definitely. I was totally ready for it. And uh, talked to Nora. Nora didn't want to go. Talked to my friend Tanner. He didn't want to go. They're too tired and stuff. So me and Chris head off. It was gorgeous. Just going through these farms, walking down there. And um, we actually, um, it's kind of where the story begins. We, uh, we got down almost to the river. And uh, we, there are these rock slabs that we had to cross or get down to before we hit these boulders. And um, Chris and I went down these rock slabs, and there's many of them, and they weren't they weren't dangerous. They were, they weren't really steep at all. But we kind of had to like scoot down them, you know, on our butt. And we got down to this last one. It was a super long rock slab, and it was just so long I couldn't even see the end of it. But as far as we could see, it just looked like it ended with these big boulders. So. Chris is like caught up in the beauty of it. I'm like, sweet, maybe he's like, you know, maybe God's like showing him something, you know, and then, uh, cause I'm like, well, I'm really hungry, I'm going down. So I start going down, going down, going down, the super long rock slab, going down, going down, takes forever. Getting kind of anxious, but at the same time, I'm, I started to get a little scared because it got steeper and steeper. And it got so steep to the point where I started to lose my grip a little bit, and I'm like, okay, I definitely have to turn around. I tried to like, you know, get up to turn around, and I started like tumbling down this down this rock slab, and um, I'm barrel rolling down this thing. I'm I'm going really fast, and in my mind I'm thinking, this is not good. This is not good. 
I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hit the boulders at the, at the bottom. I'm going to break. I'm going to snap my leg or something. I knew I was going that fast, and everything around me was hard. There's no soft anything. It was just boulders and rocks, and I'm going down this granite rock slab or whatever. And then I'm thinking, I'm going to hit something, I'm going to hit something, and then all of a sudden, going off a cliff. Uh, where did that come from? <laughs> Neither one of us had seen that. Uh, it was 25 or 30 feet high. Maybe a good point of reference would be where the, where the wood meets the... The white, I mean, that's really, 25 feet high. And I, I fell on my head on the rock, and I, I broke open my head all the way to my brain. You know, I was, I, was, I was bleeding, I broke my first two vertebrae in my neck, completely snapped them. There's nothing supporting my, nothing supporting my uh, spinal cord. Also, uh, I, I crushed three vertebrae in my back as well. So, um, I don't think you have to be a doctor to know that that doesn't equal a good chance of surviving uh, any of those things. But I actually I don't remember what happened. So you and Chris are on this hike. You're falling down this cliff. And Chris is still up there enjoying the beauty. You're down here. You cracked your skull, broke some vertebrae. It, what, what was next? How did that happen? Chris came down and, and how did... Yeah, Chris somehow got down to me. And I don't remember this part. I hope it doesn't come back to me ever. But... I, uh, he, this is just what Chris tells me. He says I was standing up and I was going, oh, my head hurts. And he's like, yeah, you know, I mean, blood everywhere. And he's like, sit down. So Chris is a hippie. He only owns three T-shirts. My wife can verify that if you want to talk to her later. Um, and, but he's got all of them on because we're hiking these in layers. And, and so he, he sits me down, wraps them around my head. Within seconds, they're soaked. Yeah, it was, it was really bad. He, and be, being a hippie, he had a really junky cell phone that he had brought over from New Zealand and it didn't work. He couldn't, the battery lasted like one minute and it was dead. And so he somehow got my cell phone out, calls my wife, not a good idea. Don't call somebody's wife when they're about to die. But I guess he had no choice. So yeah, hours later, it took hours. I mean, just think about, think about the blood loss. Over two hours, massive head wound. It's just, it, I should have died for sure within... 15 minutes. I, who knows? How, I don't know how long. You tell me. Somebody who, who knows more about this, tell me how long I can last with that kind of head wound. Plus, I have a buddy who's a paramedic. He says that the first two vertebrae being snapped completely, if I would have moved one centimeter, and doctors have told me this too, if I would have moved one centimeter, my heart would have stopped, my lungs would have stopped, my vital organs would have stopped, because that's, that's what that part of your spinal cord uh, so immediately after Nora gets a phone call, she calls the helicopter, they come in, and but that's not what happened, right? <laughs> no, no helicopters were allowed in that region, which is bad news for me. So they, um, they somehow get me, I'll just tell you how, the Chinese farmers, some Chinese farmers in that region found me uh, due to Nora and uh, Tanner working some things out and, yeah. A couple of years before that, Chinese, the Chinese farmers didn't even have cell phones, but China kind of wanted to keep tabs on their people more. So they had cell phones, and they got these calls saying, hey, uh, help this guy out. So they, they found me. They put me on a board, got me up the cliff, got me on a donkey, and keep in mind, five broken vertebrae, folks. And I'm riding this donkey up to my, my ambulance, which is a minivan, and I just... I get to this this make this this really makeshift hospital. It, they don't even have windows. They have holes carved out of the out of the wall. 
And, uh, but they had an MRI machine, go figure, which was great because they saw, hey, he's got a broken neck. We've got to stabilize him. They sewed up my head. Uh, they said, we can't do anything else. We're sorry. And here's my wife who, I mean, we're, we've been married one year and a little over a year, and she's thinking, I'm going to have a family with this guy, and I'm dying. And they're saying, you better go say, say bye to him. So, actually, my, my, I've covered your prayers for my wife still. I just, this is a lot to go through. So, so you're there, they tell you, we don't know what to do. So what do they tell you you have to do? What's the next, what's the next step? I said, there's nothing we can do. You have, to, you have to get a private jet, because no helicopters are allowed in this area. You have to hire a private jet with a doctor and nurses, and that will cost $78,000, U.S. dollars. Nobody in my family has that money. <laughs> so uh, everybody put in what they could, maxed out their credit cards, whatever, to get me there. If you know anything about hitting your head really hard like that, frame of reference for you, Natasha Richardson, at around the same time I hit my head, hit her head on the bunny hill, her brain swelled. Uh, they op- the doctors opted not to take a piece of her skull out because your, your brain actually has to swell outside of your skull. And they opted not to do that, and she died uh, right around the same time. Really sad story. But here I am, massive, massive head wound, massive brain injury. My head's sewn up. You have a maximum of 24 hours to take out a piece of skull, or your brain swells into your skull, and you die. It took three days to get the money raised, to get me to Hong Kong. They took a piece of my skull out, and my brain actually waited to swell for three days. So, oh, and another fact is that all that blood I lost over two hours of sitting down there, only one blood trans- one bag of blood transfusion. Wow, so you can see miracles happening throughout, throughout the story as you tell it. So you're in, Hong- you're in Hong Kong at this time. They're fixing you up. Eventually, they send you back to the United States, right? And, and they yeah. tell you you're good. Yeah, I was walking. That was like miraculous. There's people around praying. It was crazy. They're like, yeah, you're good to go. Don't believe you, but let's go. Anyway, <laughs> so got in a plane, and um, my poor wife had to, had to bring me through this whole thing. And we get all the way back to, to here, and my in-laws had, had structured it so that the hospital would pick me up, so I'd be eligible for insurance. And I get to the hospital North Memorial, hit the CAT scans, hit the x-rays, all that stuff, and they go, got some bad news for you, Matt. Okay, what? Well, um, you're leaking brain fluid. They didn't patch it up correctly, so every time I would lean over, brain fluid would just pour out of my nose. And me, I don't know, I just want, maybe I was wishful thinking, I thought it was just like snot or something, I thought I had a bad cold. No, it's brain fluid. That's bad because <laughs> infections can happen and, and you can die. And also, um, you have three crushed vertebrae in your back that they didn't even catch in China, in Hong Kong. I've been walking on three broken vertebrae in my back. They caught these. They did surgery, cut through my neck and, and, and did the surgery, put the screws in there. Uh, but that leads us to our last piece of bad news, Matt. Those screws are about to touch your spinal cord, uh, which means death for you. So we have to redo the whole thing. Not good news. Not good news for anybody. And uh, so they redid the whole surgery, and um, yeah, they fast-tracked me out of the hospital within two months, which is insane. I mean, I, I went to my last to my last 
for the last week of therapies, cognitive, occupational, and physical therapies, they're like, Matt, we don't really have anything for you to do. You're a 28-year-old man who's had some master's level education, and you think like a 28 I was 26 at the time. You're a 26-year-old man with master's level education. You think like a 26-year-old man with a master's education. I mean, it was amazing. Like, the way that God had... I mean, doctors were coming up to me all the time in the hospital saying, you're Matt, you're the guy who felt... And they go, you don't get it. Like, you don't get... Like, people don't live through what you went, what you went through. And you're making a full recovery. You don't get it. And I'm like... Yeah, I do. Like, it's a miracle. And they're like, no, you don't understand. You have no chance of living through this. And yet you made a full recovery. You don't understand. And these are doctors who, many of them didn't believe in God, I'm sure. And they're like, we don't, you know, you don't get it. This is a, this is a miracle. You know, and, and people, I remember talking to a, a doctor and he's like, we do not throw around the word miracle in the hospitals. That's just something we don't do. It's not, it's not something that's not good to do. But this is a miracle. You know, Matt, when you uh, were coming and I first heard your story as we were interviewing you and just wrapping up here, we have some. I, I went on Google because someone told me if I Googled Matt Hansen, I could, could find things. And that's what, one of what you were just saying is I watched you and tell your story and then your, your cast or your neck brace and everything and still had something on your head. And, and then Nora shared a little bit and then the doctor said, I walked in the room and I did not expect to see what I expected. And since that time, you've graduated from Bethel Sem and You've recovered well, you're singing up front, you're leading. What is it that we can take from your story that, that if you were one thing, and oh, one thing I'm also supposed to ask you uh, between services, someone said, what happened to Chris? Right. So, yeah, uh, the one thing you can take away from this is Jesus still does miracles. You know, I think most of us read in the Gospels and, about Jesus turning water into wine, healing the, the lamb, whatever. It still happens today. It does. It does happen. I'm living proof of that. I'm sure many people of you have many of you have stories like that. And Chris, my atheist friend, saw that. This guy's got his master's in philosophy. He's built his whole life on there's no God. He was talking. Him and Tanner stayed in China to finish up the, the semester, and he goes, "I can't say there's not a God anymore. He's not a Christian yet. Please keep praying for him. Yeah, praise the Lord. Please keep praying for him. He's not a Christian yet. I've sent him some Christian literature and stuff like that, and he's like, I mean." Somebody said it earlier, I think Chris is counting the cost. He's starting to count the cost. And it's uncomfortable. Because Christ said, you have to lose your, if you lose your life, you'll find it, for my sake. That's not an easy thing. I mean, all, the, all these high schoolers are making those decisions now. A lot of you guys are making decisions now. You have to, you're going to lose your life if you want to find it. And uh, I think Chris is doing that. So please pray for him. Great. Well, Matt and his team is going to come up and, and share or sing another song with us. And, and while they're coming up, then I'll pray, and then we'll pull that with them. Good. Father, I thank you for what you've, what you've done with Matt. I thank you that you have delivered him from what could be life's end. And, Father, I, I pray for him continually, and I, I pray for Nora. I, God, I pray that I just can't imagine what it was like for her as a wife. I pray that you would continue to strengthen uh, their marriage and, and encourage them and and Father, I pray for us as a congregation. I, one of the things that we know is that miracles don't start faith. But God, they can strengthen our faith and give us confidence. So God, I pray that we see your miracles in the everyday things as well as in the big things. You're an awesome God. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.